All right, what a great job the kids did. Just appreciate that. I love hearing the kids sing and to watch them grow over the years. You know, when they're real small, they're a little afraid. We were talking on the men's prayer uh, breakfast on Saturday how um, Dwayne was on there and we were talking about how when Thomas used to get up here at first, he was little, he would hide and turn around from the camera and stuff, but now he just pro boldly proclaims Jesus. Uh, he invited his neighbors to, his na the neighbor kids to come to church on Wednesdays. They've been coming. So you just know these kids are just a light for Jesus and we're just so happy for that. But happy Mother's Day to all of you. That applies too. It's good to, good to see you. I was telling the first crowd, uh, I was blessed to have two mothers, and um, my, my birth mom, of course, um, my mom raised five kids, really mostly on her own, because my dad passed when I was six years old, but uh, she did that, and then when, of course, when I married Marbeth, I inherited Margaret Hawk, which has been like my second mother to me, and just a blessing to me, and uh, Barbara, I think you adopted me a little bit, right? We, he call, she calls me son sometimes, so I'll take three moms, I'll take all the moms I can get, and so praise, praise God for that, uh, but happy Mother's Day to you. Well, we're going to get right into the message today. It's called Provision, Purge, and Preaching, and I'll tell you the same thing I told the first crowd. It's going to start off happy, and then it's going to get really sad, but I promise you there's a happy ending. I was sharing that uh, in the first one that, uh, you know, my family knows when I watch a movie, I like there to be a happy ending. If there's not a happy movie, a happy ending in the movie, I'm, I'm mad I watched the movie. Why did I waste my time? finding out there's an unhappy ending, but you know, in the Christian life, there's always a happy ending because we have a home in heaven. We know Christ is our Savior, we know Christ is victorious, and we know we win in the end, and so there's no way you're going to lose as a Christian. Sure, we go through some trials and, and struggles on this earth, but our, this isn't our home. Our home's in heaven, and Jesus said he's gone to prepare a place for it, and I, I don't know, based on the beauty of this world, could you imagine what heaven's going to be like? I mean, this world is so beautiful when you take time to look at, you know, in the pass area here, we have the beautiful mountains and just everything surrounding us. And I know we got to put up with the wind, but just think about it. The wind gives you clean air to breathe because it blows all the smog to other people. See, and we get, we get beautiful air because of it, uh, but just thankful for that. But let's look at Acts chapter, uh, we're actually going to start in verse uh, chapter 4. Um, Brother Mike preached out of chapter 4 last week, but we're going to pick up there in Acts chapter 4. And verse uh, 32, and this is called the provision, and it says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So you see, they had all things common. Uh, we... We think about, uh, I know that we're talking about in this New Testament church in the, that we're reading about, we had Jews and Gentiles. But think about it, if you were a Jew that accepted Jesus Christ as your Messiah, you would have been literally cut off from Jewish society. If you had a Jewish boss, you would have lost your job because uh, they only believed in Jehovah God. They didn't believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. Their family members, other Jews, would have cut them off once they became Christians. And when you think about the struggle they went through, they probably took a pretty serious financial hit. And so, um, as, you, as you think of that, it says here that they had all, all, all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. What did that mean? People out of the compassion of their heart shared with one another. They took care of each other's needs. And it wasn't by commandment. It was by choice. They chose to give of their, of their heart. And then, 
Verse 33 mentioned, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. See, they had the power of, of the Holy Spirit on their lives. And you and I have that as well. For them, they received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. For you and I, the moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells within us. And, and, and Christ told us he wouldn't leave us comfortless. That, that Holy Spirit is our comforter. That seals us till the day of redemption, but is also part of the Trinity. And as we'll see today in the message, we'll see that, um, that uh, his deity in there too as well. So you have God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, the great three in one. We have one God, uh, but three, uh, three beings. And so as you look at verse, uh, let's go ahead and bring up Acts 1.8, if you would, please, guys, talking about the power of the Holy Ghost. We've read this as we started the book of Acts. It says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and under the uttermost part of the earth. Uh, you know, that command is to us as well. We're to, we're to give out the gospel. You know, we're, when it mentions here Jerusalem, Judea, that would be our banning, Beaumont, the surrounding pass area. And then going further, even all the way up to the ends of the earth, California, the United States, the world. Well, I can't be everywhere. How am I going to do that? Well, you're going to support missionaries. You know, I, I can only give so much to missions, but when we all pitch in and give to missions, we have missionaries all over the world. Pastors mentioned before that, uh, you know, the, really the, the gospel is being preached seven days from some influence of Mountain Avenue Baptist Church, whether it be a missionary we support, uh, but there's the, the gospel's being preached. And so we, we can give so others can go, but we can also, it's our job to tell, tell the people we come in contact with about Jesus. And notice, we're talking about God's power. Uh, going back to Acts chapter 4 and verse 33, it said, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. See, you and I have to tell about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus as well that he rose again, that he's alive, um, that he's, he's the king of kings and lord of lords, that he's the only savior that anybody would ever need, that there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. Um, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh the Father but by me. And so we have to remember that, but we have to also proclaim it. We can't keep it a secret. And these apostles couldn't. Now I want you to think about this. They knew that Jesus was put to death, obviously, and they knew that those same people were going to put them to death. So they know what they're preaching is literally a death sentence for them. But you know what? Didn't stop them. And we're going to see some great joy here. So let's look at the rest of the happy part of the message anyway. <laughs> let's look at verse um, 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them. And they brought the prices of things that were sold. And they laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite and, the, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So that goes back to verse 32, where they said they had possessions, uh, but they had all things common. See, Barnabas decided to sell his land and give the money so that other believers could could really survive physically, have their physical needs met. They already had their spiritual and eternal needs met, but they had their physical needs met. It's one of the great things about God. He's, he's provided everything you need. You don't have everything you want, but you have everything you need. If you have food, you have raiment, you have clothing and that kind of stuff, you have a home, you have a roof over your head, whether it be an apartment, a trailer, 
a house, whatever, God's provided for you. And he still provides for his people today. And that's, that's awesome. If you work, he's given you a talent to work a job, to earn a living. And everybody has a talent to work somewhere. But they, they notice they had laid their money down at the apostles' feet. They had land, they sold it. And again, they brought the money there. And so that's the happy part. It'd be great if we could just end there. But next, we're going to look at the purge. And the purge is from within to start. And they're going to have two believers here that decide to lie to God about what they're going to do. You're probably familiar with the story of Ananias and Sapphira. So this is kind of the, 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 the rough part of the message because it's not, uh, their fate's not good, what happens to them. But believe me, it's going to get better at the end. We'll, we'll talk about it here a little bit. But Acts chapter 5 and verse 1, it says this. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. They kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and bought a certain part, uh, and brought a certain part, sorry, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whiles it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So think about that for a minute. The sin was not that they had the piece of property. The sin was not that they sold the piece of property. The sin was not even that they gave part of the money to the church. The problem was that they had, they had made it look like they were giving it all to the church. See, that's why he says, Ananias, why did you conceive this in your heart? See, he, him and his wife was privy to it, the Bible says. They, 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 remember, they're not commanded to sell their land and give the money. There's no commandment there. In fact, he says in verse 4 right there, whilst it remained, was it not thine own? In other words, you didn't have to do this. But it was a good thing that he chose to do it, and it's a good thing that he gave money. But it was the bad thing was that he lied and said it was all of it. See, we have a choice to do what we want. When I come and put my money in the offering plate, I give what, what I believe God's commanded me to do, but also what uh, I give above that and, and how God leads me in that. But I can't lie to them about how much I'm doing, right? I can't say, hey, I gave it all when I gave part. And so I want you to see two things as we look at these, these, this verse and then the next, next verse. And he says, he said in verse 4 that thou hast lied unto, um, hasn't lied unto men, but he lied unto God. And then back in verse 3, he said that Satan filled the heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. So he says, you've lied to the Holy Ghost and you've lied to God. Any sin that you and I have, we have to recognize that it's to God first. If I lie, cheat, steal, uh, have a bad thought, say an unkind thing, any of those things, I'm sinning against God first, even though I may offend one of you by, that, by my actions, I've really sinned against God first, so it's him I need to get right with first. And... Unfortunately for Ananias and Sapphira, they chose to, to lie, and, and they're very, Peter's very clear about it. Pastor mentioned, I think last week when he got up and he said, Peter was just, just telling him just what it was. Hey, you guys were the ones that put Christ to death and so on. He was very clear about what he's saying. And he said to them, he said, Satan, uh, why, 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 why did you let Satan fill your heart to do this thing? And then... Um, but as you look at verse 3 where it said he lied to the Holy Ghost, and you look at verse, and by the way, in verse 3 it says the, the heart, and then verse uh, 4 it also says the heart again. It says, why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart that was not light unto men but unto God? So as we look at the Trinity and the power of the Trinity, 
We see the Trinity very clear at uh, Jesus' baptism. We see God the Father, his voice coming down from heaven. We see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. And, of course, we have Jesus being baptized. But I want to go to another scripture right now that, that points out the deity also of, of the God the Father, the Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, guys, if you'll take, uh, take us over to, uh, Acts, or, sorry, to Ephesians 2.18. Ephesians 2.18, it says, For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father, now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but uh, fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. It's talking about the saved people here. And it says, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And then look what it says here. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And he says, in whom all this building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So in this passage here in Ephesians, again, it, it mentions all three parts of the Trinity. It talks about uh, God the Father, talks about Jesus the Son, talks about the Holy Spirit. In the passage we're in, in Acts, talks about all three. They're preaching Jesus Christ. It's mentioned here, the lie to, the, to God and to the Holy Ghost. And so uh, just as we see here as a Christian, we have all three parts of the Godhead actively working in our lives. And um, again, we have one God, but we have three parts of the Godhead. And that's why back in Genesis it says, let us make man in our image. What was the hour? It was plural. It was all three of them. God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit. And so as we worship and we realize, okay, the, each, part had a different, each, each part of the Godhead had a different uh, job that they do. And so it's important to recognize that. And that's just kind of a, a side note to what we're actually talking about today. But let's go back and see what happens to Ananias and Sapphira. Back in verse 5 here, we'll go back to Acts 5.5. 5. It says, And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came upon all them that heard these things. How would you like the next lie you tell to be your last? Well, for a good reason, yes, you would want to stop lying. But this might not be the way you want to stop lying, by falling down dead because you told the lie. I can't tell you why God chose a harsher punishment for that than others. But for one thing, in the New Testament growing church, you'll notice that it says at the end of verse 5 there that great fear came on all that heard these things. You know what they realized? That God is sovereign and Lord of all. And only God judges. We're not to judge our fellow man. Only God judges. And I, I joked about this last week, but never say, nobody ever says, God, give me what I deserve. Because if we did we'd be struck dead too, or we'd, be in, we'd deserve hell, not heaven, and so that we'd be there. But thankfully, our God is full of love, grace, and mercy. And I'll tell you this, I, I didn't mention this in the first service, but Ananias and Sapphira still went to heaven if they were born-again Christians and knew Christ as their Savior, so they still went to heaven, uh, as, you th as you think about that. But great fear came upon all these people. And then look up here, it says, And the young man arose wound him up and carried him out and buried him. That was quick. Then it says it was a space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. She doesn't even realize her husband has died. And it says, and Peter answered unto her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. Now she has the right, she has the point here now to speak for herself. She has the point here to tell the truth about the land. She doesn't have any idea what happened to her husband. She doesn't have any idea. They know the real story of that they promised that they sold it. They gave all of it. And she's confronted here. So 
she doesn't die for her husband's sin. She's, dying, she's going to die for the sin. She's, she has the point to tell it to be right. Every person's an individual. And so she has the right to come clean here. And she says, yea, for so much. It says, then Peter said unto her, how is it that you have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young man came in and found her dead, carried her forth, and buried her by her husband. And again it says, in great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. See, it caused the believers to say, we need to take the things of God seriously. See, I know about you, but as a Christian, we can have a good time and we can fellowship and we can have fun. By the way, God intended us to do that, to have fun and to fellowship with one another. But he says, you know, the Bible says to be sober, to be serious-minded about the things of God. And so through Ananias and Sapphira, God gave a lesson to his people to take the things of God seriously um, in all things to be ethical and to be honest. And again, I don't think I'm, you know, if I offend you by saying this, it's true nonetheless. There's nobody in here that hasn't lied at some point in their life. Nobody. And it doesn't matter whether it was a little white lie or as Mike Maynard would say, a great big whopper. It doesn't matter. A lie's a lie. And, um, you know, but they were lying directly about the things of God and, the, and what had happened. And again, it, it, they could have kept the property, not sold it. They could have... They could have said, hey, we sold our property, but we need to keep half for us for these reasons, and we're going to give you guys half. But again, they said they were giving the full amount to them, and so they, they not only they, they misled everybody, uh, what they were saying and trying to get credit for something that they didn't do. So that was kind of the purge with from, in, from within. The last section I entitled preaching, because they are preaching the word, but really it's a, it's a purge from outside the church. See, problems in the church can start from inside, just like it did with Ananias and Sapphira, or they can also come from the outside, persecution amongst the church. We see it around the world today, places like China, North Korea, different places where the word of God is not able to flourish uh, just out in the open. A pastor even mentioned when they were in Dubai, they could witness to the Filipino people that were there, but they couldn't witness to the, to the, the people there, that, that, the other people, the Muslims. If they did, they would be arrested. See, but, but they, they were, could freely preach to the Philippines. So around the world, persecuted in America, we can pretty much witness to anybody we want. Now, they have the right to say no, and they don't have to listen, but we have the right to, to give the gospel out. And so if I just stopped here and said, okay, that's the end of the story, amen, we're going home. Well, first of all, you'd be happy because you'd be leaving early. But second of all, you'd be unhappy because you'd be like me, leaving the movie going, why was there an unhappy ending? I wanted a happy ending. What's going on? So as we look into the preaching part of it, they're going to have persecution here. So in, let's go right into that in Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. It says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest um, durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord. Look what it says here. Multitudes, both of men and women multitudes. Uh, when Mike preached a couple weeks ago, he talked about on the day of Pentecost where 3,000 were saved in the one day. This just says multitudes, so we don't even know how many. But we see God working in a mighty, mighty way in, the, in this new church, and it's growing rapidly. And uh, why? Because these few believers are faithful to give out the gospel and tell the truth about Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, 
when you get the privilege to share the gospel with someone, to tell them about Jesus Christ, to tell them how they can know they have a home in heaven, um, you know, many of you have heard me over and over again. I go to 1 John 5 often when I'm talking to somebody about the Lord. Why? Because it talks about, it's very straightforward. It says, if you have Jesus, you have eternal life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have eternal life. And then in verse 13, it culminates with, you can know you have eternal life. So 1 John chapter 5, uh, I'm not going to bring it up today, but just, just that's a good place to go. Some of you use the Romans road. You go through and you go through, you use the Roman road. Just whatever, however way it is. But you know, a lot of people just don't share the gospel because we're afraid we don't know enough of the Bible. Even if you don't know the exact verse to take them to, all of you know where to find John 3.16 in your Bible. And just tell them what Jesus did for you. Say, hey, this is what happened to me. I've given my testimony here several times where an Awana leader led me to the Lord. And a, and a young friend from school is the one that invited me so I could hear it. But you, we, all have a, we all have a testimony to share and to tell. And thankfully, Peter and these apostles were faithful in that. And it says, um, multitudes were added. Then let's look at verse 15, guys. It says, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets. They laid them on their beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities, bringing round, bringing round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits. And look what it says here. They were healed, every one. It doesn't say, hey, you get healed, you don't get healed. You get healed, you don't get healed. He said, no, everybody was being healed, whether it was a physical ailment, whether it was possession. It talks about being vexed with unclean spirits. They were healing all of them. And you've got to realize, it's not them doing it. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God doing it through them. It might take you back to when Jesus was on the earth. People were just trying to touch his garment. They were trying to just get close enough so that he would heal them. Remember the guys that took apart the roof and lowered their friend down into the room that they couldn't get into? And what did Jesus say? Take up your bed and walk. We watched just recently, or we looked just recently into Acts where um, those guys healed the lame man that was sitting outside the temple. We know he was over 40 years old, but yet he couldn't walk from birth, and, God, and, and the, the disciples were able to heal him. Again, God heals them, but he gave them the power to do so. And so you see this all being done here, and God working in just a miraculous way. But there's going to come a problem. Every time God worked, even then and even now, every time does God does a great work, there's people that don't like it, the people that don't acknowledge Christ as the, as the Messiah. So look at the next verse. It says, Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. You ever guys hear the, 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 about Sadducees that when they're sad you see because they don't know Jesus is the Messiah? I don't know if you ever heard that. I used to hear people say that in junior church and stuff. They were sad you see because they didn't know Jesus. And so here's the, here's the religious leaders. These are the same people that gave Jesus problems. And it says that they were filled with indignation. You know what they were upset about? They were upset that they weren't getting the attention. They were upset that people weren't listening to their teaching. They were upset that they couldn't heal in Jesus' name. All they had to do was trust Christ as their Savior. They could have this victorious life, but instead they were miserable, and they're going to take it out on the disciples here. It says in the next verse, they laid their hands on the apostles, and they put them in the common prison. So they're preaching. But listen, in this particular passage, God doesn't waste any time. Look right at the next verse. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors. Okay, you put them into prison. God's taking them out. And then he says, he brought them forth. The angel of the Lord brings them forth, and he tells them this. Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of his life. And when they heard that, 
they entered into the temple early in the morning and they taught. But the high priest came in and they were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. So they're taken out of prison. They're told to go preach. They obey. They go do the preaching. Now the lead, religious leaders are coming to find them in the prison. They're not going to find them there. Look at the next verse. But when the officers came and they found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found me shut with all safety, and the keeper standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no, no man within. The next verse says, Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. So if God wants his word out, no man's going to stop it. You know, this is, this, this is exploding fast. Why? People are getting saved. It said in the previous verses, multitudes are getting saved. They're not, just like when Jesus was here, they couldn't quiet the message. They still can't quiet the message. Think about in our history. I think of many different um, places where the Bible's been, they've tried to destroy the Bible and get rid of it. Germany tried to do it. Russia tried to do it. You know, America's trying to do it. Certain people in America are trying to do it. But you know, they'll never get rid of the word of God. What does the Bible say? The word of God is eternal. It's forever. It says the grass fadeth, the fall away, and all that stuff, the flower. But the word of God is forever. There's no way to quench the word of God. And if you think about it, we have the word of God in more forms now than we've ever had it. If you're like me, I have it on my computer. I have it on my phone. I own way more than one Bible. And then hopefully we're memorizing it. We're putting it in our heart so that we can always have the message to tell. And uh, these guys were not going to be quiet. Even though they had been put in prison, the angel of the Lord told them, no, you need to get out there and preach. Get, I'm, I'm opening the doors, but you go preach. And it's pretty exciting to see what God has done during this. So they're teaching among the people. Let's look at the next verse. It says, Then when the captain with the officers had brought them without violence, for they feared the people. In other words, they're careful what they're going to do to these disciples because they're, they're fearing the people. Now look at this. Lest they should have been stoned, they're worried the crowd will stone them rather than the other way around. And so it says they feared the people lest they should be stoned. And it says when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked him this. You might remember Mike's message last week. Uh, they said, saying, did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? In other words, didn't we scold you last time? We told you not to do this, not to talk about Jesus anymore. He says, behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. In other words, the death of Jesus Christ. It says, it says in the next verse, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. Now be very clear in, the, in our lives. You might remember when Christ was here on earth, he told them to, to obey all of the rulers, right? He told them it was right to pay taxes. You might remember the story where Christ got the tax money right out of that fish's mouth that time to, to pay the taxes. And he said, Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, right? But, and, and God intends for us to obey government, rulers, authority. But here's what it says. We ought to obey God rather than man. If anything man creates that conflicts with what God tells us to do, we have to disobey man and obey God. And the disciples say that. Um, guys, if you would bring up those other verses here in Acts, from Acts chapter 4 and verse um, 18 there. It says, uh, this is what they were they were told against early before. It says, 
they called them and they commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. See, nothing's going to quiet them about their gospel message. And nothing should quiet us about our gospel message either. But do remember this, when you're sharing about God, share the truth in love. I talked about in the first service, we support Ben Shetler, who has a great ministry, but his, it's called the Center for Truth and Love. See, we don't have to get in an argument. We don't have to be unkind. We just have to share the truth of the love of God and how that he loves everybody, and he, wish, he wishes that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. See, he wants everybody to get saved, but he's not going to force you. It's by choice. Just like we started this passage out where some people were selling their property and laying the money and sharing it with all the other believers. That wasn't a commandment. That was by choice. So we serve God by choice. And these guys say both here in verse um, that, that, they're to, uh, that we're to, to obey God rather than man in verse 29. And then, of course, in this passage in Acts chapter 4, they said we're to obey God rather than man. And then it says in verse 30, he, Peter's going to tell him again, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgivenesses of sins. And it says, we are, are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. You know what they just told them? They told those religious leaders, the Sadducees and the high priests, they said, this is how you get to heaven through Jesus Christ. Look what, how they react to how they choose to react to it. They say when they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. See, it was going to put them, they were going to put them to death. They didn't want to accept that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, even though they were the ones that had been studying the scriptures all their life. They should have been the first ones to spot the Messiah, but yet they rejected him. But you know what? Some of them got saved. One of them was Nicodemus. He got saved. In John chapter 3, he came to... He came to um, to Jesus by night. He was afraid he was going to be seen, but he found the truth, and we know he did, because later, uh, at the end, he helps, um, he helps get the body of Christ with uh, Joseph of Arimathea. And so it's very, very interesting. And so we're going to jump down now, guys. We're going to jump kind of all the way to the end of the story. In the next little part, I encourage you to read it on your own, but it talks about, it talks about Gamaliel, and Gamaliel warns him. He says to them, all the religious leaders, he says, listen, you be careful what you do to these guys. You're talking about wanting to slay them. It says here in that verse that we just read that they were cut to the heart. They took counsel to slay them. Gamaliel takes time to warn them. He says, you better not. And they're doing the power of God. You better not infringe on their lives. So look what happens. Let's jump, guys, all the way to verse uh, number 40, if you could. Verse number 40. It says, and to him uh, they agreed. And when they had called the apostles... And look what it says here, and beaten them. See, this time they didn't just warn them, they beat them. But they knew they couldn't do any more than that. They, couldn't, they wanted to kill them. The Bible says they wanted to slay them. But they knew they couldn't get away with more than that, not with this crowd. And so they did that. And it says they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. And look what it says here, they let them go. Remember they tried to put them in prison? Prison wouldn't hold them. They wanted to kill them. God wouldn't allow them to be killed. And so... You say, okay, you promised me a happy ending. Where is it? Okay, look at verse 41. They got, just got in, they've just gotten beaten. They've just gotten told not to preach Jesus again. Look at verse 41. 
They departed from the presence of the council. Please say the next word with me. Rejoicing. Rejoicing. Okay, I don't know about you, but the last time you got beaten was the first thing you did, rejoice. I told the first crowd, thankfully in my life, I've tried to live by the Bible verse that says, as long as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. My last physical fight was in eighth grade, and it wasn't really a fight. First day of school, a kid punched me and broke my nose, and that was it. That was the end of the fight. The school people grabbed us, and we both went to the office. We both got suspended. We got the same suspension. I didn't throw one punch. The other guy broke my nose. We got the same punishment. Now, I'm not bitter about it at all, but bringing it up. But, you know, the, the truth is, that day after I got my nose broke, I wasn't going, praise God, I was beaten. My nose looks great. You know, I had to hear it every day until I healed. The next day at my bus stop, oh, you look horrible. Because not only did, when you, when you get your nose broken, a lot of time you get the black eyes that go with it. I had two black eyes, a broken nose. I didn't want to go to school. Mom said, you got to go to school. So moms are good, right? It's Mother's Day. Moms make you do those things. But, you know, I went to school. But every day I had to hear it till my nose healed. And then finally something happened to somebody else and... They forgot about me by then. But, you know, these guys, they were beaten, and it says they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. See, you and I, we go tell our neighbor about it, and they say, I don't want to hear it anymore, and they slam the door, and we're like, oh, I've been suffering for Jesus. Well, you didn't get beaten by the religious leaders. You got a door slammed in your face. If you've ever been door-to-door, you've had a door slammed in your face. Or even if you tried to talk to somebody, you'd say, don't talk to me about that. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you have had a family member do that? Don't talk to me about the Lord. You know, and the, the neat thing is, usually when somebody says that, the Holy Spirit's already working on their heart, and they, you see them get born again and saved because the pressure's there. You know, it's just happening. But that's the good part. They're rejoicing that they were counted worthy. And then look what it says in verse 42. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. See, did the beating stop them? No. Did the commandment not to preach stop them? No, it says right here that they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So you and I have that same challenge to do that. I'm going to close with this story. I told a little bit about it in the first service. I hadn't intended to. It wasn't even part of my notes, but I wanted to tell a story about my mom. My mom, she used to, when we we were raised in a loving home, my mom was a great mother, but it was not a Christian home. My mom did teach us about God, but the church that she went to didn't, teach the true way to go to heaven through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ alone. And, but she did tell us about God, and, and, and at some point I got invited to Awanas. I got saved and born again. My mom started coming here to go to grandparents' day for our school when, I, when, when my kids were young, and she started coming. When she'd come, she'd stay with us, but on Sunday, if she was here, she wouldn't come to church here. She would go to her, one of her, a church like hers. And she wouldn't come. Finally, after a couple years of coming, she agreed to come with us to church. So she came, and from that point on, she always would come to church with us. So finally, one of those times, I don't remember what number time it was that she came, but we sat down at our kitchen table. Her and I were the only ones awake. My wife was still asleep. My kids were still asleep. And I remember talking to my mom, and I said, Mom, you're the one that told me about God. And I said, I need to make sure of something. I said, I know that you know God exists up here. I said, have you ever trusted him in your heart as the only way to heaven? Because I said, I came out, now I came out of the same church she did, and it taught Jesus plus works. So I told my mom, I said, Mom, none of the good things you've done, you've done some great things, but they're not going to get you to heaven. Do you know for sure? And it turned out there had been a point 
fairly recent in her life where she had trusted Christ as her Savior. So fast forward many years. My mom was in hospice, not at home, but in a hospice center in Arizona. My sister took care of my mom, and she, uh, she was the one medical power of attorney, all that stuff. She would call the other family, keep us all informed what was going on with mom. But one day we got that dreaded phone call. Come now. Mom's at the end. You need to come right now. So I told the crowd, I worked here. Pastor's very generous. When something like that happens, he, he said, take it, go. Don't even second guess. Don't take it. Just get in the car, go. So I got my family. We went in the car. We went. Thankfully, we got there. My mom was still coherent. The last few years of my life, my mom was on a feeding tube. The doctor, she was coherent. She could speak clearly. She, my, the doctor said, you can, you can feed your mom. So I got, the, I got the privilege of spoon feeding my mother. And my mom was so happy. I just remember, she's, she's, now she knows she's dying. She's, she was an RN all of her life. She was a nurse all her life. I know very well my mom knew exactly everything that was going to happen to her as her body shut down. But I remember just the joy in her eyes. And when, we were, when we'd, get a, we'd get done talking and we'd seem like we had nothing else to talk about, I'd say, Mom, let me read the Bible to you. I'd say, what do you want to hear? Where, where do you want to hear about it? She'd say, anywhere is fine. Just pick a place and read. So I'd pick the Bible. I'd start reading. And she'd just, she'd just be smiling, and finally I said, Mom, you know it's close to time to go to heaven, right? And she goes, yeah. And I said, are you looking forward to it? She just smiled. It's the biggest smile I've ever seen in my life. She hadn't smiled a lot in the last years, and she just said, yes, I'm ready to go to heaven. You know what peace that gave me as her, as her physical son? But see, you have that peace if you know Jesus as your Savior. Death, where's the victory? Where's the sting in death if you know Jesus Christ? Pastor says it often, last breath here is your first breath there. See, if you don't know for sure today, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, not because I'm a good person or not because I deserve it. I know I'm going to heaven because God said in 1 John chapter 5 that if I believe in Jesus Christ, that I have eternal life and I can know it. It says it right in the Bible, 1 John 5.13. If you don't believe me, look it up, 1 John 5.13. It says you can know you have eternal life. You don't have to leave here today without knowing Jesus Christ. I'm so glad I knew my mom was going to heaven. It made it much easier for me. There's not a day that goes by I don't miss my mother. But you know what? I don't have that same knowledge about my father. My father passed when I was six. I have no idea if my dad knew the Lord or not. Hopefully he at some point knew, knew the Lord. But I don't know that he knew that. But see, it gave me great peace knowing that. And you know what? It gives me great peace knowing I have that. And when loved ones and different people and friends of mine know the Lord, I take great, great comfort in that. So you can know him too as we get ready to, let's, let's have a word of prayer and then we're going to have an invitation. But don't leave this church today, whether you're watching online or whether you're in the church, don't leave without knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. And those of us that do, we've got to be just like these disciples and no matter what happens, we've got to boldly proclaim the truth of the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I praise you for all you do for us. I praise you that you empower us to do things that are really beyond us for sure. Lord, I thank you for your gift of salvation to everyone that will believe. Lord, I pray for the people here today. I pray if there's anybody that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, whether they're in this auditorium, whether they're watching online, I pray today that they'll know and they'll accept you as Lord and Savior. Lord, those of us that are saved, I pray you'd speak to us about who to talk to about Jesus Christ, which obviously for you would be everyone. Tell everyone we see. 
the Lord, as the Holy Spirit nudges us and leads us to talk to specific people, help us to be bold to do it, Lord, no matter what happens. And Lord, I thank you for this church that preaches the Bible straight out of the Word of God. I praise you for that. I pray for, praise you for our pastor who leads this church and school. And Lord, I praise you for each brother and sister in Christ that's here that I get to enjoy time with. I just praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you do me a favor, just stand with me. We're going to have an invitation. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Brother Mike's going to be down here. If you, if you need something, you come down and see him. If you don't know for sure going, going to heaven, come down and see him. If you want to join the church, maybe, you, maybe you've been saved, but you haven't been baptized yet. Come down and see him about baptism. Whatever, it needs, whatever need you may have. If not, take care of it at your own seat and just let the Lord lead you about what, what to, to uh, talk to him about. And that's what this time is for. So let's uh, bow our heads, close our eyes as Laura plays through.